Well, I'm very excited today because I've managed to coerce one of my lovely, lovely friends to say yes about coming on my podcast. She was a bit shy at first. She is so lovely. I've known her for many, many years and she's a talented photographer and she's been a muse to so many amazing people. It is the beautiful, the lovely Patty Boyd. Hello, Patty. Hello, Twiggy. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good today. Although I don't really like January and I and February's even worse. So I'm looking forward to March. Well, the thing is, I was saying to Carly, my daughter, yesterday, we're almost through January. And quite honestly, it hasn't been a bad winter, has it? What I'm frightened of is icy roads. Yeah, exactly. Well, you live in the country, don't you? I do. I go to London about once a week. Mm-hmm. But because I've got a big old car, it's, it um, could slide around in the ice quite easily. So it makes me nervous and anxious. Yeah. But if it's icy, don't go out. <laughs> Make yourself one of your lovely cocktails, Patty. <laughs> Stay home. Yes, I will. I will. Talking about drinking, have you got a cup of tea? Or do you drink, do you drink tea? I do. Not all the time. Um, and I drink different types of tea. A new one to me. Is mm-hmm. Lapsang Souchong. It's very, very smoky and yeah, it's lovely, delicious. Isn't it? I haven't had it for years and I tried it the other day. It's really good. Yes, it is. Actually, you're right. It's very smoky. Sometimes if I have it, I mix it with an English breakfast tea so it cuts the smokiness a little bit, which I do if I have Earl Grey. I have that with English breakfast because it cuts the perfumey taste a bit because I find that a bit strong. Right. But I think you have to be in the mood. Yeah. You have to be in the mood. And how's lovely Freddy, your doggy? He's really well. I was quite cross with him, actually. He woke me up last night and I thought he wanted to go outside to go and have a pee. So mm-hmm. I let him out. And then I couldn't believe it's only one thirty in the morning. Far too early. <laughs> I left him out there for at least an hour. And then he came back in with his tail between his legs. And I, I think he realised, even for him, it was a bit too early. That is early. Oh, my goodness. And he's too yeah. big to have a doggy flap, isn't he? <laughs> I'd have a huge hole in the door. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't know who else would come in as well. <laughs> You'd have all the neighbourhood dogs coming. Come over yes. to Patty and Rod's. It's great. We can get in the kitchen. You need you know, Freddie's food. You, you know Wendy and Peter Asher, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Because they had <laughs> they had a bloodhound once. I can't remember his name. He was huge. And they also had a pet pig. Oh. And one morning they came down and the bloodhound and the pig had managed to open the refrigerator door between them <gasps> and emptied the and the whole contents of the refrigerator was all over the kitchen floor, no. half eaten, obviously. But how do you think they... This is a bloodhound and a pig. That's unbelievable. The pig was called Mona, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to moan about. With the, You know, if they're able to open the fridge door. I heard something quite similar by a friend of mine who lives in South Africa, and they live on the edge of a forest. And occasionally, unless you lock all the windows and doors before you go out, Baboons come in and raid the house. 
And they oh stay in the goodness. house when you're there. When they came back, there's a baboon looking really <gasps> cheeky. He'd emptied the fridge, eaten everything he could. <laughs> That's just... I mean, I mean aren't they da- are they dangerous, well, baboons? I would think they're dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. They look so frightening. They are, I mean, they're gorgeous, but I'd oh, be a I bit do. nervous if one was in my kitchen. I remember actually years ago we th- when I think Lee was doing a play on Broadway... And we'd go out to uh, New Jersey into the kind of wooded areas. There's there's lakes out there. We'd go out for the weekend. And we thought, oh, maybe it'd be fun to get a little cottage on, you know, a log cabin on a lake. So we went to look at a few. And then one of the estate agents said once, um, the thing is, if you do get a place here, you must remember to lock your doors at night because the bears, <laughs> the <gasps> bears come down. <gasps> And this is only an hour from New York City. Oh, my god! And I said, what do you mean the bears come down? She said, well, the bears live up in the pine forest, up in the, you know, the hills. Yeah. I think it's near, I, I don't know, near the Catskills, I think. Right. But there's still wild bears up there. I mean, can you imagine coming down for your cup of tea and your, sh- your shredded wheat? <laughs> and seeing a, a big bear. bear. <laughs> or a baboon. <laughs> so that was the end of us buying a log cabin. I said, oh, my goodness, that's a- terrifying. I was reading, you lived in Nairobi. I didn't, I don't think I knew that when you were a little girl, right? Uh, From the age of three, I grew up in East Africa, Mm -hmm. in Kenya. Uh, My first school was in Nairobi. And then we went north of of, um, Nairobi to a place called Nakuru. And I was there, I lived there till I was 10. And then came to England. So when I was there, I'm used to seeing snakes and tigers and giraffes and elephants, you know, in the wild, because it was all pretty wild then. Yeah. And um, then when I came to England and went to boarding school in Sussex, can you imagine trying to tell all the other girls about, you know, (laughs) oh, yeah, no, no, we saw a giraffe in the garden the other day, and they all thought I was mad. Don't talk to Patty Boyd, a bit mad. And I didn't know what what they were we're used to what they would talk about they would talk about different types of shoes i mean i hardly even thought about <laughs> shoes in africa <laughs> didn't you miss africa i mean your main childhood was in africa didn't you miss it and the, oh, the yes. heat and the smells of every the flowers and and the long distant views you know you can see for miles yeah. and miles i missed it so much and i went back when i was 20 21 and, you know, it, there's nothing like it. As soon as I got off the plane, I could smell the kind of peppery smell that's in the air. Mm. It's kind of exotic and it's very wild and ancient. Why, why did you live in Nairobi? Did, was your dad in the forces or something? No, he was, well, he was when he was in England. <clears throat> He's a bomber pilot. And oh, then, wow. Yeah, and then we went to live in Africa because my grandparents had a house there. And also the government said, gave people in the forces a sort of deal whereby they could have so much land in Africa to farm. So he oh. um, thought, oh, this could be fun. So he bred racehorses. Wow, that's amazing. Hmm. So when you came back to boarding school, did the whole family come back? Or, or, yes. Because you yeah. didn't go back to live there, did you? No, 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 no. I beca- it became rather dangerous. There was a group oh, of, of, of vigilantes called Mau Mau. And oh, yeah. um, 
They wanted to take over. They wanted Africa, Kenya to have its independence. Yeah. No, I I, I mean, I don't remember it because we were little girls, but um, um, I, I, I've obviously read about it since. You must have missed it so much, though, because... My my memories of my childhood, I mean, it wasn't as exact. I, I grew up in northwest London, but it, it was a happy childhood. So I still have lovely, fond, deep feelings about growing up in London. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine what it must be like to grow up in somewhere that exotic and not miss it. I can't imagine what it must be like living in London, growing up in London, in a village, in a town uh, where yeah. you know everybody and nothing really changes. That's no. such a wonderful fantasy to me. That's so interesting. So after you, did you, I read, I read, I, you know, I must have known this, but you know, I worked in a hairdresser's before I was plucked from there and shot into fame. Yeah. And you worked in a hairdresser's. I had a Saturday job. Before you job. started modelling. A Saturday job. Me too. Oh. That's so funny. And the one that I was working in was in Kings Road in Chelsea. Oh, very hip. And you did Saturday work, sh- shampooing and sweeping up hair and yes. handing pins up. That's what I did. Yeah. Were you a mod? No. This was before no. mods. Okay, yeah, because I, I was a mod from about 63 to about, well, till I was kind of discovered in 66. But you were modelling by then. You I was. modelling a little ahead of me. Because I always wanted to look, I wanted your legs and I wanted your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When I was still at school. Okay. Well, I remember being on a plane and I had a job in Paris and I picked up the newspaper and there on page three was you, the new model, Twiggy. And I thought, my God, And I didn't have long hair and great legs. (laughs) No, I think you had a great face, darling. And you still thank do. You, thank you. You still thank do. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but it's so funny because, you know, that's what I wanted to look like. And I had my hair long until Leonard cut it all off. So, but I wasn't to know that that new look was going to be the new look. I mean, it's so weird. Life so, is so strange, yeah, isn't it? Was it was so cute. It was so adorable. That haircut was just wonderful. Well, he was a brilliant hairdresser. Absolutely. But we knew lots of the same people from that that period didn't we yeah we did what was the first time we met can you can you actually I mean I can remember lots of instances of being with you but I'm trying to I was trying to think last night the actual first time can you remember I don't know I can't remember I can't remember whether somebody socially introduced us to each other yeah or whether we were working together I don't think we worked together that no we worked together a bit later didn't we yeah in Italy in Italy those gorgeous um pictures in 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 Italy the two of us it may have been I wonder if did you know Barbara Hulanicki or Biba yeah but not very well no Aussie you knew Aussie Aussie, you were his muse weren't you I bet it was through Aussie that's who it would have been because yeah. didn't he design collections around you? And He did. He was very sweet because when he was doing a fashion show, a catwalk show, which were the only ones I would do anyway, he would um, name some clothes after each model. So there'd be a lovely oh, okay. outfit and it was called a patty, you know. Ah, yeah. oh, he was so lovely, Ozzy, wasn't he? Adorable, yes, yeah. So sad what happened to him. And he was, was he at the time married to Celia? Burtwell? He was married to Celia, who seemed to be at yep. home all the time with the children. 
I mean, Ozzy would sort of say to me sometimes, oh, come on, let's go out. And I say, oh, Ozzy, I've got nothing to wear. And he'd say, come home with me. And there's Celia doing the ironing or changing nappies or something. And Ozzy would go through, through a few clothes and say, oh, try this one. So I'd try it on. Come on, off we go. And leaving Celia behind. And we'd go off to oh. sort of like... He said, "Oh, I think the Stones are recording." So we just go to the Stones uh, recording session, hang out there for a bit, and then jump in his American car. He was so careless; he would drive down one-way streets the wrong way. You know, I said, oh, okay. "What are you doing?" He said, "Well, I want to be over there." You know, come on, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so <laughs> hanging out with Ozzy was a bit of a sort of um, quite. You took your life dramatic. into your hands. Yeah, but you know, it didn't oh, matter in those days because it was fun. I loved him so much. I loved him and I loved you. Did you know Bill Gibb? Yes. Lovely, lovely Bill. Bill. Yeah. He was so lovely. It's so sad that they all went far too early. Far, I know. far too early. That's true. But, uh, but so you were modelling and you met Dick Lester during a TV commercial, did you? Is that all right? Yeah. Dick Lester... I worked with Dick Lester when I did a TV commercial for some crisps. And um, so this was great. I think I did it twice with him, TV commercial. And then when I went for this other interview, some time later, there was Dick Lester amongst all the people, you know, checking on the models and looking at our books. And so I went away thinking, oh, that's another crisp commercial that Dick wants me to do, or a shampoo, either shampoos or crisps. So I went away thinking that. And then my agent phoned me later in the afternoon saying, don't tell anyone, but you've got a part in the Beatles film. I said, don't be silly. How could that have happened? They said, well, the interview you went to earlier was actually for a film. I said, that's really done my head in. I thought it was for a packet of bloody crisps. No, the Beatles film. <laughs> And um, they they were huge. They were already huge by then, weren't well, they? Well, not huge. This was their very their first movie, black and white. But they'd had they'd had hit records, hadn't they'd they? They'd had um, they'd had one album out, I think. Oh, okay. So, what year was this? Sixty four. Hard days night. Sixty four. Sixty four. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to get it in chronological order. Yes. So they'd had they'd had a hit album. Was that please please me? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think I must have met you. Oh, well, I did meet you afterwards because I was discovered in 66. Right. And I met Paul first and that was in 67 or 68. And that was about a film that didn't happen, actually. It was with Ken Russell and he wanted Paul to do the music and me to be in it and he oh. didn't get the money raised. But we went on to do The Boyfriend afterwards in yeah, 69. Yeah, but without but, Paul. But, Without yeah, without Paul, Paul obviously, because that was that had music already. It was a Sandy Wilson um, musical, but that's how I met Paul, right? And um, and I think I must have met you around the same time. Mm -hmm. So, what did you think when your agent said it's a film? Were you were you nervous or did we excited? So or no, 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 I wasn't excited at all. I was very nervous. And the thing is, I never wanted to be an actress, so this was going completely out of my comfort zone. And I thought I'd make a complete fool of myself. And she said, don't worry, you just need to wear a school uniform. Ugh, as if that was enticing, <laughs> not for me. I thought <laughs> if I'd only just left school anyway. And, um, um, and I only had one word to say. Well, that's all right. Oh, I mean, it? I could do that. Prisoners. Prisoners? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
Oh, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So I knew I could but do that. But you knew you knew Dick Le- I mean, he was a big director, wasn't he? He yes, he used Or he to became do- a big director. He did anyway, become. He? he did become. I think he did quite yeah. a few little funny films with Spike Milligan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was American though, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. He did sort of those little alternative type movies. And when you first went on set, was it like well, number one, you hadn't met any of the Beatles, no. presumably. No. So you must have been quite nervous about that, were you? Because when I had to go and have lunch with Ken Russell and Paul McCartney, I was so nervous because I was a huge Beatle fan. Oh, and really? I, I, my favourite was Paul for some reason I, when I was a schoolgirl. And I had to sit at a, 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 a restaurant table and, and, and not make a fool of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, you know, I was so overwhelmed to meet him. Um, yeah. Luckily, we became firm friends and still are. But so I can't imagine what it must have been like going on a film set and meeting all of them well, at the that film time set, in history. Yeah, I know. No, I was very, very nervous. But the film set actually was a, a moving train. So me and the other girls got on the train in our school uniform and sat in a carriage. And the train took off from London and then stopped somewhere in some little out-of-town station. And there on the platform were four figures. Guess who they were? <laughs> anyway, they jumped, they jumped on the train and then came into our carriage. And they were so polite and so sweet and introduced themselves. Uh, just adorable. And then they left. And then the filming started as the train was moving. So how many days were you on the film? One. One oh, whole it was a day. One, one, one day shoot. <laughs> and at the end, I'm sure I've told you this before, Twigs, but mm. the train went down to Cornwall and back. So it took about eight hours altogether. And then at the end, when we got near to um, Waterloo Station, George asked me out if I'd go out with him that night. And I said, no, I couldn't because I seen my boyfriend. <laughs> And then I told my girlfriends and they said, you're completely mad. How can you turn him down? I said, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. And then luckily there was another chance to meet up with the Beatles when we were called back to Twickenham for a photo shoot. I think Dick Lester must have organised that because if that hadn't happened, I would never have seen George again. Oh, or maybe George asked him to Uh, make it happen. Maybe. Ah. (laughs) And of course, by that time, the boyfriend had gone. I had to fire Oh, him. okay. Oh, so that was brilliant. So yeah. you, you said yes. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but then you were thrown in. I mean, I can't imagine what it must have been like. I can remember coming down when you lived, You and George lived in um, Isha, wasn't it? Yeah, and how, Isha. How, how private it was, which was wonderful. But how it must have been so weird being thrown into that world of you know, photographers following you everywhere. I had it a little bit, but not on the level that they had it. Yeah, well, and they it had it. it must have been it. weird. And... Uh, well, it was. I mean, I didn't really get it so much simply because um, the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, decided that it would be safer and better for them to move out of London because they were hounded by the mm. girls all the time. Yeah, I'm sure. And so that's why we lived in this funny little house in Isha. Mm. 
when did the whole kind of going to India? Because you went to India first, not to the Maharishi, right? You went to... Yeah, George and I went because we met. He was very happy to meet Ravi Shankar. And uh, oh, Ravi suggested, right, yeah. suggested that we join him in India. So, uh, yeah, he, he wanted to show George India and, you know, just give him a wonderful lesson in the culture, music, spirituality and everything that, that India has to offer. And so we went to Bombay and met him there. And he, he immediately engaged a yoga teacher for us. And then he took us around oh. and we went to private sessions where he was playing concerts for private people you know and then how wonderful it must have been amazing it was incredible and he took us all over india it was just fantastic and we ended up in kashmir on a houseboat on lake dal mm. where's fr floating fruit and vegetables on the lake it was absolutely beautiful so did that it was take you back to kind of how you felt in your childhood. I mean, India is different than Africa, but there's that exoticness and the flowers and the animals. It yes. must have been lovely for you. It was. And I understood it because of that reason. Yeah, that's because what I mean, because of that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I understood and I loved it. You know, the same sort of exotic smells and, oh, I don't know, just extraordinary villages and tribal people and everything that vast continents like Africa and India have to offer. I've only been to India once and it was um, to Jaipur. Lee was filming mm. an American, Lee, my husband, was filming an American miniseries there and I went out to join him. And it was just, I'd never been anywhere like that. I mean, I'd been to Europe and I'd been to America, but I'd never been to... India or or even Africa actually yeah so it was it was it's mind-blowing isn't it it changes your life actually Completely. I remember I had to be there wasn't a flight I landed in Delhi and we had to drive to Jaipur which was about a five-hour drive <laughs> and this is in the late 80s and um but the car that they'd sent the film company sent it for me it was like a 1950s Hillman <laughs> Very clean and very shiny, and the driver was lovely. But I, if you've ever been on Indian roads, I mean, it's a bit hair raising, isn't it? They totally. kind of drive at each other and then yeah. decide to, one gives way. So it was a hair raising five hour drive, and then I remember turning off the road and coming into Jaipur, which was is like a pink walled city, and there were monkeys on the walls and Ellie. I was like oh my I'd never seen anything it was incredible I know it's Absolutely wonderful incredible. I love and the book. women in their their saris in hot pink and lime green and bright blue and they are probably some of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen in my life unbelievable I agree I agree and they stand so beautifully they're very erect aren't they they stand very so because they're used to you know putting things carrying pots and all sorts of things on their heads so they have to stand Incredible. straight but Jaipur is one of the most beautiful cities I agree with you well we went to Jaipur and then we wanted to see the Taj Mahal so we went to Agra yeah which was unbelievable and um saw the Taj Mahal which again is you can't really describe it can you until you no. see it no it's stunning it's this building covered in jewels <laughs> unbelievable but i never we never got to Kash, kashmir or anything like that so had george is that when george started to learn to play the sitar for, with yes ravi yeah. shankar yeah he did Be, 
because he became quite adept at playing it, didn't he? He Mind you, he had the best teacher. (laughs) But I also read in your biog that you you learnt to play something called a dill... Dilruba, is Dilruba. that right? You tried to. Let's I put tried. It I had one and tried and realised. What is a dilruba? I've never heard of it. What is it? Well, it's a, it's a very large stringed instrument, uh-huh. uh, Indian, obviously, with a huge gourd, rather like a sitar, and um, a very wide neck, and it just has a very beautiful sound. And could you play anything on it in, eventually or not? Not really, Triggs. It's no. so difficult. I mean, Ravi Shankar learnt from the age of four. He had to practice wow. every single day for hours wow. and hours and hours, every day. That's why he was so brilliant. Yeah. Was he a wonderful man? I, I never met him, actually. but He was wonderful beyond belief. So that's not when you met the Maharishi. That was later, was it? Yeah. That was on a separate trip. What had happened is that the Beatles were on tour in, I think, Australia. And while they were there, my girlfriend and I were talking about learning to meditate. And then I saw a little advertisement in the Times one Sunday uh, for meditation classes. So we phoned up and signed up and off we went. We learned how to, med- me- learned how to meditate without realising that it was, it was called transcendental meditation. And then when the Beatles came back from Australia... Paul phoned George and said, here's this, this bloke called Maharishi who's going to give a talk in the Hilton Hotel. Let's go and check him out. And I said, that is the guy who started Transcendental Meditation, although I'd never wow. met him. So it was good for me as well to go, you know, to the talk. And that was a new thing in England then, wasn't it? Wasn't that kind of the beginning? I mean, I'm sure there were some people who'd started doing it before, but... I'd never sh- heard of it before. I'm then. sure there were, but you know, because the Beatles were involved or became interested, it became bigger. I mean, more people learned about it because they they took it up. So you went to see him in London, and then you all went out to. Um, was that in the same part of India that you'd been to before, or no? But you see, what happened is that we we then all caught a train and went up to Wales, where he was giving another talk. And while we were there, Brian Epstein died. And so they were all devastated, devastated by his death. And then the Maharishi said that he thought it would be a good idea if we all went to India to his ashram in the Himalayas. And uh, so that the Beatles could sort of, you know, grieve in private and he would always be there on hand to talk to them, etc. You know, and he was just very sweet and very sensitive and, and understood the whole situation. And so that's why we ended up in India couple of months later. And how long did you all stay out there? About two months. Oh, gosh, that long. Well, Ringo didn't stay that long because Maureen had a, had a thing fetish about flies. She hated flies. Oh, And yeah, Ringo had a delicate that. stomach, so he couldn't eat Indian oh. food. So he brought lots of <laughs> cans of baked beans with him. <laughs> oh, brilliant. What do you take to India, baked beans? Yeah, of course. <laughs> That is so sweet. I love that. <laughs> so what, is this when you start started taking photographs around this time? Well, maybe, Twigs. I can't really remember when I first started. No, I started when I was still modelling. That's it. Because, oh, you did? Yeah, because I saved up my money to buy um, a camera. And then I thought, I'll take advantage of working with all these photographers, take my camera along and get some advice from them. 
Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Because this is obviously before mobile phones. And so you, you did you get like a proper posh, like a Pentax or a Nikon or something like I that? I did, get, in fact, get a Pentax. Yeah. What's your favorite type of camera? Have you got a favorite? Well, I then I had, I used Nikons for years and years. Really yeah. loved them. And then Canon were the first people to come out with um, digital photography. So I, then I got a Canon camera in New York. And how did you feel? Because lots of photographers, I remember when that all happened, when it went digital, and lots of photographers hated the fact that, you know, they loved film and they didn't like digital. Were you, which side were you on or didn't, didn't it matter to you? Well, I was quite resistant to go to digital because here in the country, I had my own darkroom so I could process my film and do printing, which I love doing. Love printing. Did you learn to do that? Oh, yes. Oh, how brilliant. And, you know, nothing nicer than spending hours in my darkroom, the radio on, and printing till I get the most perfect print. You know, it became an obsession. And so I hated letting go of that. And it took me a couple of years to let go, slowly taking things out, saying goodbye to the darkroom. Yeah, because when we both modelled, they had to send, the photographers had to send, you didn't see them immediately, did you? Whereas now, if you do a shoot... You just go and look at them on the back of the camera. <laughs> you can It's immediate or on they have it up on their computers. I can remember doing shoots and going, there was a lady in Alperton who did retouching with mm-hmm. little brushes and, yeah. and, um, and razors. And I can yes. remember dropping prints off to her to do retouching. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, so did Vic Singh's mother. She used to do that. Oh, really? Um, yeah. But don't forget, they did have um, Polaroids then. So they could take a Polaroid of us before, you know, carrying on with the shoots. No, it's interesting that because all those people who did retouching, they kind of were suddenly out of work, weren't they? Yeah, because I suppose so. Their, You're their right. art. It was their art. Amazing. And they did it so well. But, you know, if you turn this photograph to uh, on, on its side, you could see where some retouching had been done. Did you ever That's notice right. that? Yeah, if you yeah. look, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You could see the scratch marks. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So funny. How interesting. Yeah. When did you what, stop modelling? After I, I did The Boyfriend, which was 19... We shot The Boyfriend in 1969, I think. It came out in 1970. And I was so enamoured with doing that, I decided rightly or wrongly that because you know there's always that thing in England you know if you're a model you were a bit you know a bit thick and stupid and you couldn't do anything else which I totally disagree with of course (laughs) and um and as you know like we all know so many wonderful girls who modeled who are brilliant and became many different things um actresses photographers artists but so I made up my mind I thought if I wanted to act and perform Mm. To carry on modelling, it would be tricky. Yeah. So, I, I and also, I loved what I was doing, and 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 when the film came out, I got offered my TV series and a record deal and all that. So I kind of, I just went with the flow, really. Yes. And I didn't go back to modelling until I got a call in ninety ninety one, I think, from Stephen Mizell, you know, the lovely American photographer. Yes. Saying, "Will you do a shoot for Italian Vogue?" which was always my favourite Vogue, and I I wanted to work with him, and he was lovely. So it was a long time. 
But, you know, it was just a decision I made because because of the stigma, I think. Didn't, didn't you think there was a bit of a stigma against models? No, not really. I didn't. I didn't really hear that. The thing is that I was probably, you know, in doing what I wanted to do, which was take photographs. Yeah, I'd say it's probably different, actually. Yeah, that's true. And then, you know, and then towards the end, you know, I was very picky about what jobs I would do, <laughs> i.e. only for Vogue, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Name more shampoo so ads. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it must have become, it must have be, uh, become more more di- when you were, you know, part of an incredibly famous couple. It must have been harder to kind of be out there doing lots of modelling jobs all the time because yeah. you probably had to keep very private and, yeah. you know, and 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 also you you wanted to have that life really. Exactly, and I did, and George didn't really like me modelling. Oh, did he? That's interesting. Well, only because he wanted me to hang out with him, really. Yeah, no, I understand that. And then we, I mean, we talked about it on your podcast. We had that hysterical trip to Greece on on the (laughs) yacht. That (laughs) where a photographer took um, (laughs) pictures of you and I. It was because George had rented a yacht for a holiday and then couldn't go or something because they were recording. So you very sweetly invited me and my boyfriend to come along and 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 it was George's family as well and when we got off in Mykonos a paparazzi took a picture of us do you remember yes nice uh, pictures I saw by that the way picture. yeah I know we I haven't it. seen that for years I we know, looked so well, we were so young god we look so good too yeah your legs I always wanted your legs <laughs> But anyway, we we got off and he took a picture and then the, it was in the local paper that we'd come into Mykonos on Twiggy's yacht and George's mum George's got very upset and said, it's yeah. not Twiggy's yacht, it's George's yacht. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> and it that was, was very funny. uncomfortable. That was very funny. It was funny. funny. But I felt sorry for you because you were stuck in the middle of it, trying to keep her happy and... and you know, we were fine, but it was just silly, really. But I know that always stuck in my mind. It was one of those silly, silly things. I know but, um, the challenges we had. I know, but you know, you come through it, don't you? Yeah. So you, you were, you've got how many? How many siblings did you have? Five, three brothers and two sisters. Two of the brothers are half brothers. My mother remarried while we were in Africa, um, during half term. I was so thrilled to be seeing my mother. Anyway, I saw my mother and she said to me, darling, I'd like you to meet your new father. And I shook hands with oh this man. God. I'm thinking, oh, what's daddy going to say? He's going to be really upset about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You didn't know? No. No. Oh, my God. Because you no. were away at boarding school. Yes, of course. I missed out on all sorts were you, of things. Were you all right? <laughs> Were you okay? I was okay when I realised at the end of term, there was my father picking me up to take me home. So I thought, everything's all right. Maybe he doesn't know. We don't need to talk about it. (laughs) Oh, God. Maybe he'll go away. Maybe he'll go away. Nine. Oh, that's pretty traumatic, actually. Then we left him, left my father in Africa, and we moved to England. Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's tricky, very tricky. It was, and that's tricky. when you went back to school in in, in England. S- was it Surrey in Sussex, Surrey? Yeah, Sussex. S- oh, Sussex, East Grinstead. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Oh, that's right. I didn't realise that. I mean, well, that's that's pretty hard to deal with as yeah. a kid. But did you reconnect with your dad later? Uh, when I was 30, so a lot oh, later. Oh, gosh, quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, very long time. Yeah. And so my mother and my stepfather had two boys. So they are my oh, okay. half-brothers. Although, you know, they're my brothers, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you didn't you have a, a a shop or a stall in Chelsea Market? You and Jenny, your sister, yeah, in the antique I remember market, that. the old antique market in what Kings was, Road. What was it called? I think it was called Juniper. Anyway, yeah, I, we you sold, sold beautiful objects and Art Nouveau. I remember that Art Nouveau and Art Deco That's objects. Right. Objet. I used to drive around England you know, finding old antique shops, junk shops and whatever, and uh, just looking for something that was from that period. And we found some, I found some beautiful Tiffany glass um, menu holders, little lamps. I mean, there was so much on the market then. And no one really appreciated it. I say because that was before, before people were really into doing that. Yeah, yeah. No one appreciated Amazing. it before. And, uh... and then Jenny ran the shop, did she? She ran it, and I'm out busy buying. And I said to George one day, oh, the press are coming to do a little article on us. Can you ask the Beatles if they would come along, you know, and pose with us? I, I could do that in those days. So they all turned up, except for Ringo, <laughs> and we were standing around our shop. It was so sweet. How lovely. Well, it wasn't oh, a shop, so it was a sweet. stall. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. But I have to say that you... Probably more than anyone I know, well, or even somebody I don't know. You've had more wonderful songs written about you than any woman in the world, I think. And they're beautiful songs. I won't ask you which is your favourite because that would be... <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> but no, I won't. But, you know, Wonderful Tonight and Layla. I mean, unbelievable. How lovely. Yeah. The only time I've been mentioned in a song, David Bowie did a song called Driving Saturday. And there was one line where he said, and she, she smiled like Twig the Wonder Kid and turned oh, her head really? away. Oh. I was so excited. <laughs> I heard it on the radio and I thought, oh, he said my name. He said my <laughs> name because I, I love Bowie. That was before I met him. And I remember going out to the record shop and saying, I don't know what it's called, but there's a song that David Bowie's just come out with. You know, it's his new single, I think. And then I took it home and played it, and it was so exciting. So I can't imagine what it's like to have all those gorgeous <laughs> love songs written about you. Quite rightly as well, I have to say. Yeah, sweet. Quite, Thinking quite about rightly. Bowie, you did the wonderful yeah. album covers with him with that incredible Japanese makeup. Yeah, that was... That was he was stunning. a French makeup artist, actually. Oh, it was fabulous. Yeah, it was um, pin-ups for pin-ups. Yeah. That was shot for the cover of English Vogue. And then the editor, in his great wisdom, said, I can't put a man on the cover of Vogue. And I said, why not? You know, he's at that point, he was so famous. And I said, you can even credit makeup on him. Yeah. But he wouldn't budge. So at, the, and that, at that point, David said, look, I'll put it on the album cover because it's such a great picture. So it's had a much longer life, actually, because exactly. every time they reissue that album, that picture comes out. Well, it's stunning. Absolutely stunning. So, you look fabulous in that twigs. Thank you. No, it's a, it's a good it's a good picture. And then you you did your biography 
When did you do that? Early 2000s, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. And it's I, I read that it went straight to the top of the New York Times bestsellers list. Can you believe that. how lucky am yes, I? Yes, I can. <laughs> My God. But to go in at number one, do you know how hard that is? That is unbelievable. Did you have to go over and do lots of um, promotion? Yeah, and I was amazed at how they do the promotion in, in America. So very early in the morning, the next morning at about 8 o'clock, I went to the studio and there was a camera at one end and a woman sitting there and she said, okay, you're going to be talking to eight different stations. So I had to oh, say, yeah. good morning, blah, blah, good morning, blah, good morning. And, you know, one station after another. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And the anchor person would ask me a few questions and then it would be the next station. So it went all over America that way. Yeah, because America's so huge. To have to travel to all those stations, you've been there years. <laughs> 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 but did you enjoy writing it? Did you find it? Because when I did mine, I found parts of it quite hard, you know, quite emotionally difficult. And, you know, you'd been through quite a lot of things and people weren't with us anymore. So did you find that really tricky? I find it quite draining. And also... Yeah, exactly. Going, venturing back to areas of your life that are not very comfortable was difficult to talk yeah. about as well. I know. You know, but it's, I mean, I know people say it's cathartic and I hate that word because I don't really know what it means. But, um, you know, it's sort of, it's quite good. It's quite good because you you are made to go back and, you know, reassess and see yeah. how you feel about it now, which of course can be quite different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a good thing to do. I'm glad I did it. But I'm working now on a new book, Twigs, which is just going to be photographs. Ooh. Just photographs, oh, photographs of me and by me. And then I'm just Excellent. writing lots of little anecdotes, some to go with photos and some because I've just remembered something hilarious or something dramatic. Well, and also you could, what we did when uh, I, they did an exhibition of photos of me at the National Portrait Gallery and then decided to turn it into a book. And I did that. I did little stories to each, you know, sometimes a few lines, sometimes yeah. half a page. Oh, it was quite fun, actually. When did we do that? Ten years ago? And they had Could an I still exhibition. Get it, do you think? Oh, I, I've got. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. If if you're very very nice, I'll give you one. If I'm good. If All you're right. good. If you're a good girl. But anyway, you're now. You're now. How long have you and Rod been married? Quite a long time now. I'm the same age as Freddie. How old are you, Fred? My dog. How old um, are you, Freddie? Woof, woof. Freddie. He's eight. <laughs> He's eight. So you've been married eight years? We've been married seven years because he was oh, our best seven. man. Okay. He was our best man and he was one. What, Freddie? The puppy, yes. Oh, that's so funny. So everyone in the world now is talking about Get Back, this amazing piece of film that Peter Jackson's put together of the Beatles in there, I think, doing their last album together. Have, have, you, have you seen it? I've You're in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've only seen one, one part of it that Peter Jackson put together for a sort of premiere in London. And I thought it was incredible. And I thought it was so interesting to see how the Beatles were together singing. I thought John Lennon, Lennon was hilarious. And I'd forgotten how funny he, he used to be. But I must, actually, I must watch the whole thing. Apparently it's great. I it think is. It's I, 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 
Well, it's quite a lot. I think it's about eight hours, isn't it? Yeah. We've been watching it in stages. Oh, have you? Okay, I th- I'll do that. I think I watch it in, yeah, you can watch it. I think we've got two hours to go, but it is wonderful. And it'll be full of memories for you, I'm sure. And you are, you do come in, uh, as de- does darling Linda. Yeah, um, yes. So well, you very see, I mean, emotional. But... Well, at the time, George was really annoyed and upset with the other Beatles. Because I think they're yeah. not being very kind to him. And so he didn't really uh, well, want I me think to that, be there. That, yeah, that does come across a little bit. He was mm. being left out a little bit. And when you think what brilliant songs he was writing, yeah. then I think. Yeah. But he well, it was a bit of... Um, but, but it is an amazing piece of film. And I thought Peter Jackson... I mean, he must have gone through so many hours of film. Oh, he did. Hours and months. Months of work. But also, with even with the bits going back and forth when they weren't always on getting on there was a great love between them all which does come across they're like brothers they were like brothers really yeah. and truly and there is that sort of mm-hmm. like endearing love that they all had for each other that you can see you know you can see little spots of it here and there but yeah, you know they, you were both, they were all growing up and going into different areas of life and so yeah, it was inevitable right. I think in a way that they yeah. well, did they were so up. young when they met weren't they yeah I mean, they it's were. amazing they were but look what they've given the world amazing quite quite right anyway I shall love you and leave you oh thank you for thank you for coming <laughs> <laughs> Freddie probably wants to go for a walk again yes he's asking yeah he's got woof, woof. okay well hopefully see you soon we'll meet up for lunch I'd love that and good luck with the book let let me know when it's coming out I will I will I'll get a copy from you and I'll give you a copy of mine all right that would be great (laughs) that's a good swap and good luck with the rest of your podcast and the one that I the one I did with you cocktails with Patty won't come out until March okay lovely that was fun wasn't it yeah, and we didn't get fun. too drunk. No, we were so well <laughs> we behaved. Had mar- we had margarita. We were very, very good. Anyway, I love you lots. Right. Lots of love, Twigs. Have a okay January, February, March. It'll go you quickly. Too. You too. Lots right. of love. See you soon. Love lots you. Love. Bye. 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 Oh, that was so much fun talking to Patty. She's a really nice lady. And... Um, but I think Freddie was desperate to get out into the garden. So we had to leave each other. But it was lovely chatting through all those years with her. And I hope you enjoyed it too. And um, keep well in this rather dreary few months before we go into spring. And I'll see you soon. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. 
I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production.